Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. And usually debris makes me panic, like in a big way, but I always bail out and hurt myself if I see debris. But I'm like, no, just keep your course. So I kept my course and that stick literally stopped me, like stopped my skateboard. I flew forward, flew forward. I landed on my elbow and my wrist and my hip. It hurt so bad. Too old for that. If you're a 30 year old mom, you should probs not skateboard hardcore, you know? (laughs) That sounds like it was pretty hardcore. Welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. This is Taylor. KJ. And Jessica. Okay, so these questions from our Instagram when you put up the story about what people would want to know about depression, Mm -hmm. a lot of them had to do with what helping people who are feeling depression. Yeah, so like if I don't have it or if I do have it, how do I relate to someone in a way that they can feel it if I have depression or if I don't have depression, which I think is what we all want to know because I definitely feel if someone comes to me and says like, oh, I'm depressed and outside of therapy, Mm -hmm. if I'm in therapy, I feel very comfortable addressing it. But outside of therapy, I feel very like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to push them Mm. away. I want them to know that I love them and I care about them and I want to help. But I also don't want to be like, we'll just get out of bed. And then they're going to be like, well, I can't, you know? Yeah. It is like a very subtle dance when it's like a friend or family member who's struggling. There isn't always a set expectation in those relationships. It's not like Mm -hmm. when a person comes into therapy and there's an expectation from the therapist. Everybody knows your therapist can't solve your problems. They're going to help you figure this out kind of thing. But when you're just talking to like a loved one or a friend or family, what are the expectations in that relationship? Are you looking for them Mm -hmm. to fix you? Are you worried about them trying to fix you? What's going on there? I think that is pretty difficult for a lot of people. I feel like with having empathy towards other people who are struggling with depression, what KJ posted on our Instagram stories yesterday, the day before, really ties into that. It's from Brene Brown's post, and she says, uh, my mom taught us to, to never look away from people's pain. The lesson was simple. Don't look away. Don't look down. Don't pretend not to see them. Look people in the eye, even when their pain is overwhelming. And when you're in pain, find the people who can look you in the eye. We need to know we're not alone, especially when we're hurting. This lesson is one of the greatest gifts of my life, Brene Brown. Yeah. And I think that when we don't understand the expectation of what people want from us when they're suffering, that is one thing you can always rely on is do not turn away. Like don't turn away from them. And that can just be like being silent or reflecting how they feel, or just telling them that you love them. I feel like currently in in my life, at least for Logan and I, we've been going through some pretty tough stuff, and it's been hard because we have talked to some people that we've known for a long time, and they haven't acknowledged what we're going through, and they know about it. But And when that happens with people, I feel like it's because they're uncomfortable, 
and they don't know how to approach that with you. But I think the thing that means the most to people is when you step over your own discomfort and you start looking at the pain. And when you start looking at the pain, that's when I feel loved. That's for me. I can't speak for everybody. Mm -hmm. But when it's almost like when somebody comes up to you and they're just like, man, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Like, I can't believe that. And they're stumbling over their words or, or they don't know what to say. Just the fact that they're trying like means so much to me. Right. Acknowledging it. Yeah. Because yes. I feel like if I open up to someone that I'm feeling depressed and then they just never talk about it again, I'm like, well, it didn't get resolved. Like, are yes. you going to follow up? Are you going to see what's going on? Especially when you open up and are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like I'm hurting. I want your support in some way. Mm-hmm. Like it's better to at least try and possibly say the wrong thing yeah. rather than just be like, okay, well, See ya. And then the next time you see them, you just pretend like nothing is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Because you want your pain acknowledged. Even if they say the wrong thing, I do think that that's then our work to be like, oh, that didn't really help, but at least they're trying. Uh And I, for me, always, I remind myself, like, I'm going to say the wrong thing so often, especially in therapy. Like, you can't be a perfect therapist and never make a mistake. Mm-hmm. But as long as people feel cared about and heard and understood as much as you can, that's kind of the goal. You don't have yeah. to say the perfect thing and mm-hmm. it's not your job to fix it. Mm-hmm. You're not their therapist. And even a therapist, we d- don't fix things. Mm-hmm. It's just your job to like, listen, be there, that kind of a thing. Yeah. And I think with depression, uh, you kind of get into a little bit of a tricky situation because I think people don't quite understand the difference between feeling depressed and clinical depression. Yeah. Huge so, difference. Yeah. Clinical depression is like a medical illness. You have to be experiencing the symptoms of it for at least two weeks to be diagnosed. And, and they have to impair your home work or social life that yeah. is part of the diagnosis Meaning it has you, to be impairing your life yeah, yeah like you can't you can't go to work you can't keep up your relationships you can't do your schoolwork. like mm-hmm. right. yeah and then feeling depressed that's something that i would say probably everybody is going mm-hmm. to feel at some point in their life it's just an emotion Yeah, it's feeling sad, feeling grief, feeling low about, you know, a life situation that came up, but that is different from being clinically depressed. And so I think it's important when you are talking to somebody who has depression to not say, I know what you're going through, or Mm -hmm. I understand what you're going through, because I think a lot of times that immediately builds that wall. And if yeah. you've accidentally said that, you're stumbling over your words and you say something like that, it's, it's okay. Fine. But mm-hmm. that's just from like my experience of talking with clients or just people in my life and just mm-hmm. realizing I'm not going to understand what that feels like. Like I can imagine that that's really hard for you mm-hmm. versus I understand what you're going through. Like I can imagine that that would be rough or, you know, I felt sad before, but, I can't even imagine how difficult it must be to not want to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. You know, really listening and having them tell you their experience rather than assuming you know the experience Yeah, because you don't. Yeah. So then it it brings us to the next part, which would probably be like, okay, if I've never 
had clinical depression and I'm talking to somebody with clinical depression, how can I understand more of what they're going through? And Cage, I think that fits perfectly into your spoon theory. Yeah. So I was talking to these guys earlier in the week about something called spoon theory, which is basically a way to explain to people who don't have a chronic illness what living with a chronic illness feels like. This was, I guess, written first by Christine Miserando. Depression is a medical illness, and you can describe it using terms like acute, recurrent, and chronic. Because some people experience acute depression where it's for a short period of time. Sometimes people have recurrent bouts of depression and sometimes it's long lasting. So how depression can feel to somebody. So you envision that your energy is equated to a bunch of spoons. So it's like you have a spoonful mm -hmm. of energy and tasks in your daily life are equated to a certain number of spoons. Like getting out of bed will cost you one spoon. Mm -hmm. Showering will cost you two. Eighteen. Oh, sorry. It costs me. So I was just going to say a lot more for me. <laughs> <laughs> Showering is the bane of my existence. <laughs> so it's basically, you know, if everybody had like 12 spoons to start their day, that's the number she used to describe this. You take away one spoon if you didn't sleep well the night before. You take away a spoon if you skip a meal. You take away four spoons if you have a cold. Mm. That's kind of like what it would feel like Six to be... spoons if you have a man cold. Oh, yes. yeah. That would be kind yeah. of like what it feels like to be someone who's depressed. You're starting off with a fewer number of spoons than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And you have to divvy up your spoons. So... You use So say you only have eight spoons to start your day because you're depressed. You're using one just to get out of bed. You're using three to drive somewhere. And then you're using four to go to school. You're out of spoons. So everything right. else kind of falls to the wayside. And that's what it feels like. You, you just don't have the energy to complete the daily tasks like somebody who isn't depressed, would be able to do just fine. I will for sure post like a diagram of this on our Instagram at ThoughtsPod so that you guys can see it because maybe that would make even more sense than what I just described. But I think that that makes sense to me because it's just like if you have depression, your energy stores are already depleted. I think if you don't have depression, it's hard to understand, well, why can't that person just get out of bed? And why can't mm -hmm. they just shower and go to school? Like, what's the big deal? Like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just right. do it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, like just that think kind of mentality. Positively, yes. yeah. Or you just have to do it. You just have to exercise. That's what you have to do, you mm -hmm. know? And it's like, well, I can't. But yeah. there is a lot of I can't in depression. But what is nice is that nothing is always consistently bad. So depression, obviously, we're really low for a long time. But what is nice in life is that it always lets up at some point and it gets a little bit better. And so that can be a time where you can get more spoons. So like, okay, I feel a little bit better today, so I'm going to exercise. And that exercise is going to give me endorphins. And endorphins make you happy and happy people don't kill don't their kill husbands. Don't kill their husbands. <laughs> 
And so it really is. What is that but it quote? Is that, okay. It's from Legally Blonde. Legally uh, Blonde. <laughs> a classic. Shout out, shout out to Reese Witherspoon. Exactly. <laughs> but it is that idea of like, okay, if I can get a couple of spoons on a day where I'm feeling a little bit better, then maybe I can continue to feel a little bit better and start pulling myself out of this. But sometimes you just are going to have a long period where you have no spoons, which is that clinical depression of it has to be two weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, Teenagers yeah. don't really get that very well. They think that something goes wrong one day and then they're depressed. But mm-hmm. it does have to be two weeks to be clinical depression. But you can be depressed any day of your life. When you have that long, like I have no spoons for a long time, that's when it gets really hard to dig yourself out. And I really think that that's when you need to be supportive of people who are in that place and then reach for support. Because that's kind of, if you're going to use your spoons for anything, we're just going with this analogy. If you're going to use your spoons for anything, reaching out to someone who can help is the best way to use your spoons, I think. Mm-hmm. That's the best and investment, then, really. Exactly. Then as a friend or family member, the best way to give someone spoons is to actually listen and try and empathize and just be with them in the darkness, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess my question would be, I mean, I work in residential treatment. And I work with kids who are depressed. If they aren't getting up in the morning, we have ways to help them get up in the morning. Like putting a lot of things in place, like rewards, consequences, that kind of thing to get them up like and Like throwing moving. a bucket of water on them. <laughs> Never done yeah. that, but... That? Okay, good. Because I was <laughs> testing to see because that would actually be wrong. <laughs> but my question is, I've never really experienced that in normal life. Mm-hmm. And so if... If there was somebody in my life who just wouldn't get out of bed, how do you support somebody like that? Because I could I could see the frustration in that. I could see the yeah. and like not understanding that and just being like, "Why don't you just get out of bed? You'd feel much better if you just got out of bed and showered." But how do you show support to somebody who's in that type of place? I think you give empathy towards them. You support them. First of all, first of all, you communicate to them that you're not judging them. I think that a lot of people that are in that state feel very judged and very shameful. It's very shame-based. There's a lot of shame associated with the fact that they feel like they cannot do something that they feel they should be doing. So I think Mm -hmm. communicating that you're not judging them, communicating that you love them no matter what, and then sometimes just doing things for somebody like without them having to ask, you know, like heading over in the morning, making plans to meet them, uh, helping them clean their house, listening to them when they want to talk. Um, Sometimes finding a therapist for them and giving them a phone number that they can call. Sometimes it's doing some of the legwork um, that is really, really really difficult. Yeah. Because when somebody's feeling depressed of, of the feeling of being overwhelmed is really, really significant there, I think. So removing anything that's not, um, that you can do for them that they don't necessarily have to do themselves. And that's just giving them more spoons, Mm -hmm. you know, and giving them more energy towards their goals. Yeah. You're using your spoons for a good cause kind of a thing. Like I'll donate my spoons to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what if you yourself are depressed and you are trying to support someone who is also depressed, someone who also has depression. Mm-hmm. That seems like I have a lot of feelings really... about this. Yeah, oh, do it. 
I think that like when you're an adult, you can do it in a healthy way, hopefully, but where you can say like, Hey, this is what's helped me. Let me help you do it. Or let's work on this together. Or, you know, let's do something together, or at least let's talk and whatever. But what's really hard is what happened with most of my teens who were depressed is they would find other teens who were also depressed, which makes sense because they want to feel heard and validated. But then they would all just bring each other down into this dark place and they would all just stay there. And so it was like, oh, I'm going to save my friend, but I'm not going to save myself. And I'm going to tell them what they need to do, but then I'm not going to do it. And they're going to tell me what to do and they're not going to do it. And it just became this really bad cycle where they'd become more and more depressed because the people that they were around all the time were becoming more and more depressed. And I think that that's the value of finding someone in your life who maybe isn't depressed and who has more spoons to give and reaching out to them for some help. But that's not, it's one of those things where obviously someone else who is depressed can help, but if they have no spoons and you have no spoons, you have to find some spoons spoons somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so Mm -hmm. it does get really hard. And I think as an adult, you can kind of set those boundaries for yourself and be like, hey, I don't have any spoons. I can't be the person to help you. But Mm -hmm. teenagers will give all of their spoons to other people and then have none for themselves and be like, why am I depressed? And their parents and their therapists and we're all like, well, we know you gave all your spoons away. And they're like, what are you talking about? My friend needed it, which is great, but it's you don't have to give away all of your spoons to help, but teenagers do, you know, I don't know. I've just seen that a lot with teens. Yeah. But I think you made a really good point. Like as an adult, just to be boundaries and have your boundaries, you know what I mean? And that's not being selfish. There's a big difference um, Mm -hmm. between like creating boundaries and being selfish. But at that point you're just saying to that person, you know, I love you so much and I really want to give you what you need, but I can't, I just can't, I don't have it right now. So it would be in both of our best interests for you to reach out to another person that you feel comfortable with who has more right now. And then I can be there for you later when I'm ready. There are times to be emotionally drained, but if it is like, whoa, this person is so depressed, they're taking everything from me. That's when you say, uh, I think that they need more support than I can give them, especially if it's mm-hmm. not getting better. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was another one of our questions that was brought up was, is it actually possible to overcome it eventually. And I think we can refer that back to what KJ was saying is that everybody's cases are so different. There is acute, there is recurrent, and there is chronic. And so paying attention to those times, sometimes it's it's kind of like tracking. You know, you track your depression. You see, okay, well, I have depression whenever I have something really hard going on in my life, then that would be recurrent. Or if I have it really intensely for a short amount of time, that would maybe be, and I haven't had it for years, that might be something that you have quote unquote overcome. Um, if you have it and it's always kind of there, it would be considered chronic. Um, but one of my clients said something to me one time that really stuck with me. Uh, she was experiencing some depression and she said, what she said, what I need to remember is that I'm hurting. I'm not broken. And that had such an, it just had such a significant Mm -hmm. effect on me hearing her say that it made so much sense that you know, because you're feeling depressed or you might be in one of those waves where you're down and maybe your depression is recurrent or maybe it is chronic, like you are hurting and that's real and that pain is real. But at the same time, you are not broken. 
Like you're hurting right now, but you are not broken to a point where you cannot be repaired. And so I think remembering that when you're, when you're in that dark place, or maybe when somebody that you love is in that dark place, because I mean, those feelings of, of watching somebody suffer and you cannot help them is very powerful. And so being able to look at them and say, they're hurting, they're not broken, they're going to be okay. And that is just something that you can kind of take to heart and remember when it comes to depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think depression can be very misunderstood because it's not something that is completely tangible. Like you're, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a mood disorder. So it's very much about what that person's experiencing inside. It's not a broken arm that you can see. It's not, uh, mm-hmm you know, another chronic illness where maybe somebody is struggling to walk. It's more internal. Sometimes that can really be discredited. Sometimes people think, well, I'm not suicidal, so so there's not really a problem. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just feeling like empty and sad, but it's not really a problem. But if this is something that's affecting your life and you aren't finding joy and satisfaction in things you used to, then Mm -hmm. it's probably time to consider (laughs) seeking help and figuring out what will work for you to really manage your symptoms. Because we live in a world where it really can just be brushed aside as not a real problem when it is very legitimate and it really can be debilitating to people. So what have you guys seen to be most helpful for your clients or people in your life that have depression? I think that I I use this example a lot um, with depression. It's not like a quick fix like we all want, but at the same time, it it reminds me of like a a duck, like a pull toy. Like when we're little and everybody, not everybody, some people have (laughs) like a duck pull toy with like, it has like a you know, two foot string on it and the little kid pulls the toy and then the, you know, duck goes wah, 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 and it follows them like across the room. It's very satisfying having that duck follow you for some reason as a small child. And so I always feel like depression is almost like having a duck toy, but your string is like 50 feet long, right? So you're watching mm-hmm. everybody else around you pull their toy and it's like wah, 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 wah. and so everybody else is pulling their duck and it's uh, following them and they're feeling great right and you're pulling and pulling and pulling and nothing is happening and it's so discouraging and it's so frustrating and it's so depressing right so you're pulling pulling nothing is happening but the point is if you keep pulling eventually that string is going to pull tight and your duck will follow you and you will feel that satisfaction. And so the point is you have to keep pulling. You have to do the things that bring light into your life, right? And those things are like exercising, talking to good friends, getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, eating healthy, you know, not withdrawing and not isolating from other people. Yes, all of those things that can help you. You have to keep doing them even when you do not see results. Because you have to know that eventually you will see results. And that's when we start, we stop pulling after like 20 feet because we're so sad and it's so hard and it's understandable, but you have to keep pulling. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've seen happen. It takes time and it takes dedication and you just have to keep going. Ultimately, 
research has shown time and time again that those are the things that work. And so you just have to keep doing them. I've also had clients sometimes keep a journal because um, like when they're going through those waves, like the really highs and the really lows and the really highs and the really lows, I have them keep a journal of that so that when they're in the really low, they go back and they read the high, like their last high. And they say, you know, okay, I was in a low before that. I thought it was never going to end, but it did. It did end. I felt it felt better. And this is what that was like to feel better. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like going back and reflecting on the evidence to show you that you can and will feel better. It happens time and time again, but it's in your own words. And so sometimes it's more powerful to go back and read those words of when you were feeling better. I think that's an important reminder too, for those that don't have depression, that this is an ongoing thing. And I think it can just get you down, you know, if somebody you love was feeling better and then they're not anymore. And that can be tiring. But I think if you are also working on your coping skills and the things you do to help you be resilient, that can ultimately help you give more to that person that you love and care about who has mm -hmm. depression. But one thing to remember as you're supporting those around you who are depressed and who have expressed feelings of depression, suicidality, whatever. So you just have to remember that it's not about you. If your child is depressed, it's not because you failed as a parent. If your spouse is depressed, it's not because you're a poor spouse. It's because depression is its own very difficult, very pernicious thing. Yeah, I used yeah. a big word, but it really awesome. is this yeah, it's its own little thing. And so you have to realize mm -hmm. that it comes from biology. It comes from situations. It comes from who even knows where. And it can attack relationships and people and everything. And so you have to say, okay, I'm going to support you, but I don't need to let it get me down and feel like, well, I failed you because you're depressed. No, it just is something that comes and we have to deal mm -hmm. with it. There's so much that we could talk about with depression. This was more geared towards, I guess, giving a little bit of insight into it, but also how to kind of support those in your life who have depression. But if you have other questions about this topic, please let us know and we will try to answer those in future episodes. Uh, you know, we can focus on just seasonal affective disorder, which we may do and we could focus on postpartum depression and mm -hmm. all the different varieties. That is real. And I think that leads us into our takeaways. And I would say one important one would be to find the things in your life that give you more spoons. So if you are in a depressive episode, what is one thing you can do that can give you a little more energy to get some things going in your life. And if you're a caretaker, what are some things you can do for yourself that can give you more spoons so that you have more to then give to somebody else? Yeah. Another takeaway I would say, we talked about this a little bit ago, would be when somebody is struggling and you're trying to figure out how to help them, do not look away from their pain. That all branches back from that Brene Brown quote, it's, it's uncomfortable and it's hard, but it will mean the world to them if you don't look away and if you stay there with them in it. You don't even have to say anything, but don't abandon them. All right, team. Despite endless technical difficulties, I mean, if you're listening to this, 
you don't know the strife <laughs> that we just it went through. It has been a night. We are going to sign off forever. Until uh, until next time. Adios. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com. And if you search thoughtspod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us. Bluebirds. Bluebirds. Cracker. Let me just... And it wasn't there before. Yeah. There I don't might know why. Be... There wasn't there before. And there might be something that wasn't there before. <laughs> Dude, that was pretty good. You are toilet paper to me. Let me just unplug everything really quickly. Stop doing okay. that. Ew. <laughs>